2: Abner Meris is a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, dad to two little girls. Beloved by abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Meris, We'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer and the man he is today. They chat about topics like the state of boxing, Abner's journey from a kid on the streets to boxing champ, his American dream, sports, music, culture, and family life, being a husband, and even being a girl dad. Listen to On The Hook With Abner Medis, wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes in English out on Tuesdays, and episodes in Spanish out on Wednesdays.
1: Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter New York Giants Football Podcast. I'm Dan Schneier. Joined, as always, by my co-host, Nick Pilato, wrapping up our quick takeaways and reaction from, unfortunately, another Giants loss, now 0-5 on the season. Um, another game where they were in it till the end. They even grabbed the lead in the fourth quarter, which feels like ages ago since they were able to do that, um, but ultimately, they lost the game. Um, really bad turn of events, I thought, at the end, just really tough stuff to, to let a team go down and what was it 50 32 seconds whatever it was and score it it, it was it was tough stuff um but you know they played a game (laughs) there's a game to talk about and you guys probably want to hear about our takeaways on the team where they're at now what do you do with the season because obviously going into today there were possibilities the Giants could compete to win the division if they had won this game this would have been a division win it would have knocked the cowboys to one and four the giants would have been one and four and the top division is the philadelphia eagles at one three and one now to me with this loss i'm as close to ready to turn the book on this team this is it you had to win this game it was there for the taking and the dalton came in he then gifted them a fumble just based on not taking too many snaps with the center and they still didn't win the game so I don't know where you're at, Nick, but this is kind of where I'm at with this team. I I just can't believe or that they're 0-5 again.
2: 0-5 again, man, in a really, really crappy division. And yet again, it's like the same script. This team had a chance to win the game, but they make stupid mistakes to put themselves into a position where they can't overcome because they're not good enough to overcome when you shoot yourself in the foot consistently like this Giants team has done several times this year, like like you said, man, I was shocked. Like, I was like, dude, I don't know what it's like to have my football team be in the lead in the fourth quarter, and even with that, I still felt uneasy. I'm like, dude, Andy Dalton's going to lead a drive down the field yeah, and win. Even though the defense played pretty well all game, it's just going to happen. And it ended and up I don't now.
1: even blame the defense for allowing yeah. that drive. It was two unbelievable catches. I mean, just unbelievable catches and a holding call, and I don't complain about calls ever. This You guys have never... Have you ever heard... You can go back and dig up the tapes, the Big Blue Panther tapes. I don't think that there's been too much of me complaining about referees. I think the calls, they go bad for one team sometimes and bad for other teams the other time. But over time, they even out. But, I mean, you just have to call that hold. It was an egregious hold. It allowed Dalton to escape to make the throw.
2: Um, Dude, it's not even just that. It's when you call so many ticky-tacky penalties the entire game, most of the – I'm sorry, most of them affecting the New York Giants – and then you don't call that egregious hold, like I'm just. I feel like you have to be called out. As yeah, if officiator. you're calling the game, I
1: completely think that's a great point, Nick. If you're calling the game one way, there's everyone who's watched football knows there's two ways officials call games. They either let these ticky tacky stuff go and play it, let them really play out there, or they call a lot of flags and they set the tone early. They say you know you're gonna if you're gonna make the if you're gonna offend the rules in any way, we're gonna call it. And there did seem to be a lot of flags in the game compared to usual, this season at least, that when flags have been down. And then on that final drive, a play where Dalton can't escape there. If B.J. Hill would have really good pressure in there. The play's blown up if that hold doesn't happen. And if the hold does happen, the play should have been called back, first and 20. They're not going to score there. But ultimately, you can talk about all those things. But in the end, the Giants put themselves in that position by A, allowing the Cowboys to tie the game up, and then B, when they got the ball back not moving the ball at all, not using any time, and then somehow, like, they, literally this game should have been either overtime or the Giants win, and they somehow turned it into a game where they lost in regulation. It's just unbelievable to me.
2: Yeah, and the Giants found themselves in what? A second and 11, and then a third and nine. Daniel Jones, incomplete pass. Both of those passes to Dion Lewis, the one where he completed it short to the left, and Dion Lewis got pushed out of bounds, and then the other one, Daniel Jones, basically what like threw it kind of over D.L. Lewis's head, and it was just like there was nothing going on on that last drive where the Giants could have put themselves into field goal range for Graham Gano to kick his fifth field goal for this team to actually get their first win in the Joe Judge era. This should have ended just one of those two ways, and it didn't. And they gave Andy Dalton, Dak Prescott got hurt. You know, we send our w- best wishes to Dak Prescott, but Andy Dalton's in there, and he led a 5 play drive, 72 yards. So he set a bunch of good catches on that on that drive, but it's just – Another just gut-wrenching, just play-with-your-emotions kind of Giants loss.
1: I I, I don't know how it got here to the point with this franchise. Like, it's it's getting incredible how bad this franchise is right now. It really is because I've followed this team my whole life. I've covered this team for six years now in different various, you know, ways for different, you know, sources, Big Blue Banter Podcast, 24-7 Sports, whatever it may be and they've now become this team that really legitimately should be viewed as one of the worst in the NFL there's no oh they're not as bad as the Jets the Jets do this oh they're not as bad as this they're not as bad as that no they're 0-5 they find ways to lose last season they won almost no games when Daniel Jones was starting they want what they win one or two with Eli in that don't even count because he's not the quarterback anymore and their roster up and down is missing key talent at key positions and what they built on the defense is good at times but it's not consistent enough and what they built on the offense somehow they still don't have a line somehow some way daniel jones really doesn't have much time back there you watch some of these quarterbacks man half it may not be for a full game of football but even for full halves if you watch when you watch the island games when you guys focus on thursday night football sunday night football monday night football or if the giants aren't playing you're watching a different one game take a look at what kind of time these quarterbacks get don't jones just doesn't get that eli just didn't get that and now at this point this gm has had a long time to try to build a line he's had three years he's used the fourth overall pick he's used the 34th overall pick He's tried to sign multiple guys, Patrick Omame, Nate Solder, Cameron Fleming, um, and he traded for Kevin Zeitler. He's done a lot of things to try to fix this line, but none of them have led to a good offensive line we're still seeing a line that struggles to run on obvious rundowns and yeah that's not an easy thing to do i mean not every team can do that but when you have a coordinator like garrett who's hell-bent on doing it you need to be able to have a line that can chew up some yards and get to get four or five at least not one two or zero and then just in pass protection man it's it's just not there yet
2: no it's not there at all and another thing about like we've talked about it a little bit during the game how garrett calls place to play for the stakes to play for the first down doesn't take as many vertical shots as we probably both would like him to take that's what leads to these 10 mm-hmm. play drives these nine play drives these 12 play drives when a team like the new york giants who are not necessarily good enough in the red zone not consistent enough to execute their assignments to the best of their abilities in a short situation the when, yeah they don't have the playmakers that's why you have Graham Gano kicking four field goals. That's why you yeah. have two nine-play drives, a ten-play drive, and a twelve-play drive ending in three points. Yep, that's not good. Yeah, you, you, if you
1: asked me, what damn, what do you think the biggest flaw with this Giants team is right now? Why are they zero and five and not maybe two and three or one and four? Even one or two extra wins out of these five games. To me, it's literally their philosophy on offense. They are a team. On offense, based on Jason Garrett, and he has a track record This in Dallas, there's years of this on tape, and every single Cow- Cowboys analyst and fan who you talk to will say that this is true. And now he's shown it through five games. His philosophy overall is to play to get the first down on three downs. That's not how you win in the NFL anymore. There's not enough. There, the margin of error is too narrow to play that style. You need to be a chunk yardage team. Look at the Seahawks this year. As their defense has regressed, they still have found a way to be 5-0 because they changed their offensive philosophy. They go for chunk plays. You. It is so hard to lead these 10 12 15 play drives and convert them into a touchdown because like you said nick when you get into that restricted area in the red zone where the safeties don't have to respect over the top and they can clamp down unless you have guys like dk metcalf making insane catches and the giants really don't have that right now and or unless you have a running game that can really get down and somehow find yards down there when it's really hard to run the ball as well in the red zone you're just going to settle for a lot of field goals. That's two games in a row now, the Rams and the Cowboys, where if they hadn't turned some of these field goal drives, these long field goal drives where they do control the clock, it is nice from that standpoint, but they don't score seven. They're trading seven for three over and over and over again. And that's not because Daniel Jones can't make seven plays. He made them last year with Darius Slayton. You look at Darius Slayton's numbers. He made what was it? Five, six huge plays last year. I think it was six plays at thirty plus, or five plays at thirty plus. I don't have the number now, but I remember whatever the stat was. He was. It was like for a rookie receiver. It was like it, it was a very strong stat, and it doesn't sound great in podcast form. I would love to have had the stat on hand, but I don't. And the point is, though, they made big plays in the passing game last year in that offense. They don't make those plays anymore, and they rely on these long, grindy drives. And when you rely on a 10-12 play drive, all it takes is one holding penalty or one sack to screw the whole thing up.
2: Yeah, we had the 139-yard catch by Slayton, who finished the day. Eight catches for 129 yards, 11 targets. Had a touchdown, got called back on that Damian Ratley play that Tony Romo was actually like, I don't know if I'd call that. And it looked like he definitely, you know, picked the guy, but I don't know if that was the design as Tony Romo kind of alluded to on that play kind of goes to the ticky tacky nature of the way the refs were calling uh, those types of plays. But yeah, man, we need to see a more vertical presence in this office, especially down the seams. Like we've been talking about since Pat Schirmer got this freaking job and that's why Evan Ingram was drafted by Jerry Reese. That's why it was a first round pick was to split cover two too high middle of the field open type of defenses and we never see that we never see it. it's a lot of quick game in this offense and there were a couple times where i thought garrett tried airing it out and it doesn't even seem like at least on the all 22 that we saw in the previous weeks these receivers are creating a lot of separation it's just i think jason garrett's proclivity the way he calls plays and the lack of talent on this giants team is just a, a recipe for offensive Kind of disaster when in terms of putting seven points on the board. In terms of putting seven,
1: yeah, because here's the thing: like you, you've said a great point. First of all, Evan Ingram, a guy who you know clocked four four two, insane combine time for a tight end. Hmm. Probably the reason Jerry Reese drafted him. To be completely honest, like yeah, he had some good tape, but like not great. Like this is a guy who was boosted by his combine. Let's be honest about the situation. He was talked about as a mid round pick and then shot up after that. Two targets today. I mean, two targets for this guy. I, I find it hard to believe there wasn't a single opportunity up the seam at any point, and we'll see it on the tape. I'm actually specifically going to look to see if there's any coverages the Cowboys are playing where the Giants could have taken advantage of this. But what you said before is so true. For me, with Garrett, my issue isn't even as much the play calling. I do have issues with some parts of his play calling, like his proclivity to run in second and longs, and to run a lot on first, first and ten, down, yeah. and to not use nearly enough play-action passing. Not every, He should be pounding the play-action game. That's what all the good teams do now, because it's a massive advantage for your offense. Pound it. It's a quick play. You you, you quickly fake the handoff. The quarterback at this point, if you watch like some of the guys who are really good at the play action game they flip their head around and they're it's basically just a drop back pass but you have to you know these linebackers have to respect it at least a little bit um and it just changes a lot there when you use the pa but anyway i don't like that he likes to run a lot on first and 10 and second 10 it's obviously negative ev but overall the play calling today i actually thought had some creativity the ingram touchdown the double uh, reverse motion throwback screen to Freeman that I've seen the Chiefs use that was a great play call he had some great play calls mixed in there and overall his play calling is not my issue my issue with Garrett and this is one I just don't think he can ever fix so for me I'm out on Garrett and nothing will change there and my issue with Garrett is that he has a ph- is, is a philosophy based issue I think that his offense and in his mind he's always playing to get the first down and I think that Today, in the NFL, I think you're just never going to be a win- one of the better coordinators if you're playing for the first down. You need to be playing to score points. You need to be playing, looking for chunk yardage opportunities at all times.
2: It does seem like that. I'm hoping that it's more of a product of, and I know he does have a track record of his, as, as well, but I do hope it's more of a product of the fact that he has this young offensive line. He has yeah. Daniel Jones, a young quarterback who doesn't have a lot of time, if we're going to be frank, and yep. he has receiving options like Damian Ratley, and we didn't even see a lot of CJ Board out there. I think he came out with a solid game plan with a lot of screens but the thing is he didn't necessarily adjust and those linebackers and the defensive ends and the edge players of Dallas really started sitting on those Mm -hmm. screens hard and he kept calling he called probably two too many at one point and one of them got blown up like Devontae. yeah. yeah yeah and I was just like oh god And, like, you just need to kind of adjust at that point. But what I want to see is him to fake that. Like, Mm -hmm. you can act like you're doing a screen and just have these wide receivers go out like they're stalk blocking and then just go. Like, stalk block and go. You can just gas that route. And that literally, that one play, you just get the corner to bite up a little bit. And then Damian Ratley or C.J. Board or whoever just runs right past him. You're going to have a guy running downfield. And Daniel Jones can do a little pump fake to to the guy running the screen and then just bomb it to the guy running down the field. Those are just little plays that need to be implemented, and I haven't seen a lot of those types of uh, of those adjustments quite yet this season.
1: Yeah, you're right. I mean, you're spot on. I don't see why an offense that has pretty much put it out there that this is their philosophy, and not just put it out there, have shown it on tape like over a span of now five games, four and a half games before, or four games before this one that they're that they like the stuff in the quick game. I mean, Jones almost threw a pick today where. It was more, that same route to Ingram that, that he's already thrown a pick on and, like, that teams are now sitting on. And like you said, isn't that a prime spot for you to take advantage of the deep ball? Like you said, with the ga- go route off of that, a fake screen go route. Like, this is a play I used to see actually McAdoo run that was pretty good, that fake screen out there, and then you throw it, and the guy who's look, pretending to block out for the screener just runs a go, and he's there. And you even saw, like, occasionally it's there. Like, Darius Slayton, that, that vertical route he ran, I think it was the 39-yarder you were talking about, that was out of the slot slot vert like that was awesome stuff but like that shit needs to be tried on a lot of first downs i don't give a crap if you're going to second 10 they're getting into second and eight with their two yard runs that they're trying anyway they're not really (laughs) you're not going to lose much by taking a shot on first down in this offense because most of the time this jason garrett offense is running the football on first down and yeah at the beginning of the game they had a nice 10 yard run on first you know their next three zero two and one so it's like you're not losing much by getting instead of going into second and eight, second and nine, or second and ten, or yeah, second and ten, you're just back in second and ten.
2: I want to see how much uh, man coverage the Cowboys ran. Cause right. That play was man coverage. They had yeah. Darius in the slot, which is nice, and they put I don't even remember who it was, but it was Ratley on the outside, and all he did was stand at the line of scrimmage, keeps his defender up towards the line of scrimmage, and then since Slayton is in a reduced split, he's able to kind of run he's already inside the numbers run out towards the numbers into space away from the inside leveraged receiver and that's just kind of a gives your receiver a better chance to a create separation and b make a catch if the quarterback puts it outside like daniel jones did over the bears game and the rams game and a lot of these other games i really haven't seen that much man coverage against the mm, giants so I'm, I'm kind of a little uh excited to get into the all 22 to see if the if dallas kind of went a little bit more man heavy i i it seemed like they played a lot of zone, though, just from yeah. the broadcast. It's kind of hard to tell from broadcast angle.
1: It is hard to tell. My inclination would be that they played a lot of zone because I think until the Giants prove they are a team that can consistently beat zone, they're going to get a lot of zone. Um, and so far, they haven't been able to prove that, at least not this year, not I, on a consistent basis. Not.
2: So. I'm, I'm wondering when Sterling Shepard comes back, what kind of impact that will have. So yeah. I do
1: think... He can beat zone.
2: I'm not trying to like make excuses for the Giants, but I do think like losing Sterling Shepard really did suck for this offense.
1: This is not an excuse. Damian Ratley is out there yeah. on every snap. Or CJ Board. Like one of the two is out there on every 11 personnel snap. Damian Ratley today had a target, zero catches, and zero yards. Damian Ratley is... I can't imagine that Corey Coleman would be worse than him right now. I know that's the decision they made, and that's the decision they made, and that's why they made that decision. Or maybe they thought Radley could take the top off a of defense and open up the middle of the field, which hasn't happened at all. Nope. But I just can't imagine Corey Coleman would have. I'm gonna see what Radley had. I'm sure he had like forty, fifty snaps. And would get one target for zero yards and zero reception. I just can't imagine. I've seen Corey Coleman play. I saw him in the scrimmage. It's not like he lost too much of a step. I don't know. I, I mean, he's not in the NFL, so it's not like they they made some egregious decision here. But Damian Ratley, man, this dude is not it. And you can't have a Damian Ratley in your 11 personnel package. And like you said, Sterling Shepard will help this offense. People don't realize it. People are down on him. He's been injured. I get it. But if you watch the film, Sterling Shepard still creates separation on it with, via his route running. Probably better than anyone on this roster.
2: I would say that, yes. Maybe Darius Slayton could give him a yes, run, but sure. Darius Slayton's getting like all the attention, all the attention right now. Right, yeah. da- like, Damian Ratley was playing on 12 personnel. Golden Tate was sitting yeah. out. It was, Damon- it was 19 out there with Darius Slayton, so he's playing a significant chunk of snaps. It's and they were throwing stuff. out of 12 personnel, too. So it's
1: guy can't get open the guy's not an NFL player I I just don't know what to say about Damian Ratley at this point I don't know why we're even we have to talk about this guy on the roster it's crazy I mean like you're gonna people are gonna bash Jones and I my issues we'll get into Jones but like I'm no idea what I think of Jones right now I'm totally at a loss because I there's things I like there's things I don't like but I also can recognize that he's playing with a really bad offensive line Devontae Freeman Wayne Gallman is his backs Damian Ratley Ingram, I don't even know if Ingram's a good thing. Ingram can't be considered a good thing at this point. He's if anything, something. And then Darius Slayton, like, is only like the only really positive thing around him. And like you said, he's getting all the attention, so that's hard for any quarterback to deal with. I mean, it's tough for Jones. I don't know. I I don't know where I'm at with him because of how how are we going to learn anything with this with this personnel, man?
2: I just got to look at the tape, see what his decision making process is. Because last week we saw some decision uh, making flaws, I guess you could say. In that game, but at the same time, you see a lot of bright spots as well. And oh, you yeah. have to consider the context of who he's playing with and everything that's going on around him. And it sucks. He's a second-year player in the mm-hmm. system. I know we bring that up a lot, but I do think that it's you have to in order to do justice for Daniel Jones right now. Yeah. Because, I mean, dude, you, they drafted a left tackle with a fourth overall pick, and we'll get an Andrew Thomas right now. He doesn't look good. thought he had a better second half. He caught a two-point conversion, too. That's all fun in <laughs> games. But in the first half, he was getting beat inside, just like he has been all year he was getting beat around the edge yeah it's just i don't know his mind his feet and his hands just are not working in unison whatsoever at all
1: this has got to be not i never thought it was i wasn't a huge fan of thomas but like i never ever thought it was going to look like this through five games
2: what i'll say though is there were a couple reps where i was specifically paying attention to thomas and I was like, okay. He, he anchored down. Yeah. He kept the guy off him, and he, and he executed it perfectly. So I was like, all right, that's a good sign. Maybe. I think
1: he has good reps. I don't think that's his issue. I think yeah. his issue is the consistency factor right now. But
2: these were on, like, third down where, yeah. they're, where you know they're coming. You know they're, they're pinning pins. their yeah. ears back. Yeah. You got Demarcus Lawrence coming, and he, like, he, held him. he held his own. That was in the second half, I think. But it's just, I don't know, man. This, this offensive line, like, as a Giants fan, someone who covers the Giants right now, it's just like, I don't – they could do whatever. They could get vintage Joe Thomas, and I don't think anything's going to fix this offensive line. It's just like my mindset right now. It's, it's crazy difficult.
1: how bad this offensive line has been for how— I think that reason your mindset—the reason you're there and why your mind is there is because you've watched so much bad offensive line play for such a consistently long period of time where, I mean, really, truly, this line hasn't been consistently good since 09. o10 it started to fall off and had some really bad games. eleven was a disaster. They were graded— 32nd overall by pro football focus and pass production. Their tackle play was atrocious in 11. And then from that point on, he drafted, Reese drafted a running back in round one after seeing how bad that line was in 11, just saying like, oh, I guess Eli got hit a million times in the San Fran game, got back up, literally just getting clobbered by defense. It's okay. Eli can deal with it. And since then, it hasn't been there. But at this point, it's a little more frustrating for me, Nick, because this current regime came in with a different mindset than the last one. The last mindset, the last regime's mindset was made clear and abundantly obvious by just looking at all Jerry Reese's draft class he had in his mind and outside in draft approach that's okay that's his strategy I would never subscribe to it if I was a GM but that was his he got a lot of talent at skill positions and he figured he can figure it out on the trenches and early in Reese's career he kind of got lucky with that because of Corzy did such a good job like getting O'Hara off the scrap heap Richie Soybird basically off the scrap heap they were able to somehow sign Kareem McKenzie like he McKenzie was like the you know Mitchell Swartz right now is is one of the best tackles in the NFL he's right tackle for the Chiefs he was signed in free agency people talk about that deal like how the hell did any team ever let him hit free agency it's kind of like that with McKenzie easily and he and so they got McKenzie but the way they got built that line I think Reese was a little spoiled by that but this is not Gettleman's MO Gettleman from day one said I believe you need to build the line to win and he has done tons of things to try to build a line Fourth overall pick, 34th overall pick. That's left tackle, left guard. He signed another guard for Big Contract Omame, cut in one year, cut in the middle of the season. He tried to convert Flowers to right tackle. I don't care for that one. He just inherited that. But he signed Soldier to the biggest contract of any tackle at the time. That was a total flop. He traded for Kevin Zeitler. You know, he tried to do all these things to fix the offensive line, and yet it's still a bad offensive line, man. I mean, like, this game, Jones did not— You just see so few times where Jones is able to just— Sit in that pocket and really read a defense, yeah. and really progress through his read, and try to find something. Yeah. He just never has that opportunity. It's always people say Daniel Jones rushes everything in the pocket. Is that true, or is he for, is he forced to rush things?
2: I mean, I do think he's forced to rush things, and I could also argue that sometimes he thinks he has more time, and he needs to have a better internal clock. I mean, the fumble, return for a touchdown. That's Andrew Thomas's fault, but at the same time, Daniel Jones could have maybe stepped up in the pocket there, maybe if he felt it a little bit more. Obviously, I th- still think the blame would go to Andrew Thomas. I'd like to see the All-22, but Jones hits his back foot, doesn't necessarily step up. Next thing you know, fumble, scoop, score right. for Dallas, and that's another huge game-changing play. There, Ben. Nice. But before we continue, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our lovely sponsors. Even though sports had a break, your business didn't credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates you will see fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire, all one word. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire, all one word. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st I look at the offensive line, yes, Dave Gettleman was preaching hog mollies for the longest time. And I think that's why we had such high expectations. But now when you even look at the depth chart, I mean, what was our biggest concern about this offense coming into the year? It was the fact that they had a converted tackle playing center, somebody who never played center. And that could maybe mess with protections being set at the line of scrimmage. Right. You know, that can mess with a lot of different things in terms of assignment football and that's football is an assignment based game. You need to have your your ducks in a row. You need to have your T's crossed and your eyes dotted, and if you don't, that's how these free rushers come through the B gap or the A gap or even around the edge sometimes. And I do feel like with the Giants' protections, Andrew Thomas is left on an island a lot, and he's not good enough to be left on an island because they got a slide protection to the right side. Because Cam Fleming to me is
1: unacceptable. You cannot take a tackle at four. Is not good enough to be left on an island.
2: I mean, I think that in their mind, he was good enough, but right. it's he, he's not. But even at Georgia, I saw him on an island, and he was handling SEC rushes. But again, it's kind of looks like the, so much worse. Yeah, right
1: now. it's kind of like the DeAndre Baker thing in the SEC at Georgia. DeAndre Baker was shutting down every receiver he matched up with, and then he gets the NFL in his rookie season, and he's a complete liability, one of the worst graded cornerbacks in the NFL last year. So, is it possible? Just the jump—the jump of competition was too much.
2: It could be the jump, but at the same time. I'll stand by the fact that I saw a lot of trades with DeAndre Baker. Yeah. For him, it was it was he didn't know his assignments because he was kind of a dum dum. Yeah, he was. It, I don't think he had the mental processing to comprehend. James Betcher's more complicated system, and he was confused a lot out there, and that's what kind of led to a lot of blown coverages. Now he gave up a couple contested catch touchdowns.
1: That's the catch touchdowns the ones that I would really be asking. But at you the same about.
2: time, he was in like really good position. Like I think yeah. one was against Marvin Jones. Was yeah. it? It was in the Lions game. But I like, he was in like great man. position. But Marvin just made an excellent play. Yeah. And there was another one too. I don't remember exactly what receiver it was, but I was like, oh, he's in. He gets his head around. He jumps up, and he kind of just got mossed a little bit. It's just like, yeah. He, he was in good position though. Like he I feel like he was never like getting blown up. I don't
1: yeah, I didn't mean to dive into like the specifics of Baker because yeah. I do agree with you. You know, we've talked about this on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Baker was a guy we were really excited for in, in a new system this year. I just mean overall, on just the macro level, he didn't come he dominated in college and then when he came out and we were all saying like oh he's dominating the sec the highest level but that level in the sec is really and truly so different than the nfl level um it's just night and day it's not even really close it's why when people make that argument like could alabama beat the browns like back in the day it's to me always the dumbest argument ever i think alabama would lose 72 nothing to the browns um and i just feel like he wasn't at least immediately a a lockdown corner like he was at georgia and similar things kind of happening with thomas to me
2: absolutely I mean it's a it's a big jump, obviously. Yeah. And looking at Andrew Thomas, DeAndre Baker, you kind of put a lot on their shoulders early on, and you're like, okay, well, you're the number two corner right now in a very complex system, and you already have these study habits. Or
1: you're on an island as a left tackle. Yeah, or you're on an
2: island as a left tackle, because we want to help you, because a lot of left tackles who are rookies will get help, but we have Cam Fleming starting on the right side, so So we're going to slide Gates there all the time. And when they line a three technique over Will Hernandez, he has to occupy that, so you have to handle that wide nine rushers, despite the fact that you really never took any vertical sets in college. Yeah. You were just taking basically 90 degree in jump sets and things like that. So now you have to learn a vertical set as a left tackle, even though you probably were working as a right tackle some of the times uh, during training camp because you thought you might have played right tackle because right. Nate Solder didn't opt out yet. And then you find out that you're going to be left tackle, so then you have to get your footwork squared away there. Now you're taking vertical sets all the time to kind of cut the angle off of wide rushers, which is another kind of, I guess, issue that he had to overcome. But even with all those things, I still expect him to be better than what he's been because it has not been good.
1: Yeah, because – i do too because guess what those same issues faced every single one of these four tackles in this draft class mckay becton tristan Wirfs, and jedrick Wills. obviously Wirfs is playing on the right side so some of those issues nick brought up don't reply apples to apples but those guys are also on the island on an island a lot so far and guess what you're not hearing bad things about wills you're not hearing as many great things about wills in cleveland but you're not hearing anything bad and i'm going to talk to my browns guy because i've been i've been begging knocking on his doorstep to get him to give me a film breakdown of wills because i'm super interested because that was nick's number one guy and that was overall the guy i felt like was probably the safest play at four i would have liked beckton there i think if you're going for for tackle you go for the upside swing and i and i did feel beckton was too athletic and too Wide to fail, basically, kind of like just you know, I, we talked about this. I talked about it with the dude from Oklahoma who went to the Ravens and was immediately a stud. What's that guy's name? Orlando Brown mm. Jr. Just too big, too long, and too athletic to fail.
2: And there's like a huge difference though too between Orlando Brown and like Orlando and Beckton. Right?
1: He's not even athletic. Yeah. The
2: Orlando Brown went to the combine and had the and, worst combine. And had like batter, yeah. the worst combine. That's why he dropped. And Mikai Beckton was an absolute stud at
1: the yeah, combine. Right. Like, yeah. Right. Yeah. So man. it was worse. They were back to back stud. I mean, like you have to. Fa- I think combine is a little overrated in general but with those tackles man you look at the shuttle times um that they, you look at the three cone in the shuttle and what they've meant for that position projecting out it means a lot to have athleticism when you're on an island and you're not like you said used to doing vertical pass sets you're doing a lot of things where you have to kind of learn on the fly from a technique standpoint sometimes you just let your athleticism take over i've seen that a lot with beckton when i've watched him and I know that that's the same thing going on with worse for his good reps. I know he had a really bad re- few reps uh, in that Thursday night game that people let me know about on Twitter. So I know he had a bad game. But, you know, unfortunately for the Giants, and in their case, it hasn't been just one bad game for Thomas. It's been now a few in a row. Um, so, again, like you said, it was better in the second half. It's kind of the same case last game I felt like against the Rams
2: yeah a little bit better in a the little bit half. better yeah. obviously
1: it wasn't wasn't but maybe against the bears is the one i'm thinking of where he kind of made a nice jump in the second half oh yeah the bears yeah. game
2: bears game for sure he seems
1: to do better in the second half which is a good sign for sure but like you said i mean i, I just have concerns about the overall athleticism there um
2: so i want to uh if we're going to transition away from thomas yeah. for a second how how pissed were you when, when Lorenzo Carter went down in the first quarter? Oh, so disastrous! And, and like uh, we're gonna have to see Kyler Fackrell, Marcus Gold are the only two. Well, I guys, like guys, those right? two too. I just I feel like, like them, depth. The, the, yeah. the depth, man. And first off, you want an edge group that you can sub out and you can yeah, bring in other guys that. who are fresh you on third that. down yep. and stuff like that. And, and they cool. didn't
1: get pressure because of that. And you knew this was a prime matchup for Carter to go off because the Cowboys were down tackles with Tyron done for the year and obviously Collins also. I guess it was on is on injured reserve as well it's kind of amazing that Giants didn't get more pressure in this game if you really think about the matchup there the Cowboys starting a rookie center and you know two new tackles
2: I honestly don't know who would be getting the pressure that's the without problem Lorenzo right Carter. now the
1: Giants are in a position where they don't get pressure often and they don't have guys who can win one-on-one very often
2: I think Carter has this and Carter so that, is the guy yeah, who Carter can, is yeah. the guy I think O'Shane can do it uh, in spurts as well Fackrell, but he's hurt. Yeah, exactly. He has the shoulder injury. Fackerel, I don't think that guy. I think he's getting a lot of cleanup sacks, a lot of uh, yeah. T- 2019 yeah Still kind of like Golden him on the Zets. field, though.
1: He's still like an oh, interesting oh, second-level yeah. guy. He's just not a good one-on-one pass And record. he's smart. He's a great yeah. bat-
2: back uh, backside defender. He yeah. has great backside pursuits on those. He's very disciplined and won't leave his gap and stuff like yeah. that or his responsibility. So I really like that about Fackerel. And he's one of the outside linebackers that we play in passing situations when we want him to flare out to the flats and stuff mm-hmm. like that, because he's more athletic than Marcus Golden is. But in this game, we had to see a lot more Marcus Golden out there, and I'm wondering if this thing for Lorenzo Carter is a little bit more serious. I mean, he's gonna right. have, have an MRI tomorrow, and that 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 sucks, man, because it's an Achilles. Is it gonna be sign a veteran edge? Is can Cam Brown or Carter I don't Coughlin think any step veteran up? Veteran
1: edges, yeah.
2: Who else do we have?
1: O'Shane's done, and then we. Yeah, they'd have to they'd have to move Brown or Carter or Coughlin into a bigger role. Or I mean, or they they could sign some some guy. I mean, like there's just gonna be no one who's gonna really impact. I, I mean, they don't have any money now, cap wise. They're mm. probably tapped out after the Logan Ryan, Ryan signing. I mean, it, this is the last thing I'm thinking about, to be honest with you, Nick. At this point, at zero and five, this was it, man. They had to win this game and. Uh, it's tough stuff. uh, It's hard for me to think about this year right now, which is crazy to say, but at five games into a season in early October. But this is where we're at. Um, And as far as the depth goes at the edge, what what you're speaking to specifically, you're right. They probably are going to have to sign a veteran because you can't just... you, You need the rotation there, like you said. But it's amazing that that's just another position that they're just so far behind
2: on to the point where they
1: will need to start, you know, potentially sign someone off the scrap heap. I hate
2: looking at things this way, but if the Giants won this game which they were well in position to do so they get washington at home and you might get this play alex smith kyle allen maybe who knows but yeah alex Barry, smith threw
1: for 39 yards on 17 attempts today that's not Oh, uh, he was just getting attacked i know but attacked. like it's just that's not a good sign
2: absolutely not
1: that the giants could realistically win that game that, sure that would have turned
2: the season around
1: yeah i mean it could have it, it, it could have easily it could have. I still have my reservations about this team in general. They they find ways to lose. I have um, my
2: reservations about the NFC East. That all these yeah, teams, yeah, like, all four do. of them are terrible.
1: I mean the Giants could any of these games the Giants have against the Eagles, Cowboys, and Reds and Washington football team this year, they're gonna have a chance to win all of them. None of these teams are, are good enough to, to destroy the Giants.
2: I know. Yeah, and that's the craziest thing, dude. That the winner of this division could could be eight and eight. Seven and nine? Yeah,
1: eight and eight, seven and nine seems very much in play. Or seven, eight and one, if it's in the Eagles case.
2: That's true, yeah. <laughs> they
1: got the one tie that the, 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 uh, fucking, their coach, excuse my language, played for the tie. That was a wild sight to see. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, it's tough. This was, I wanted them to win this game. I think it would have given them life. I think it would have helped Judge in his first year. I think there's so many good things that can come from a win when the division's wide open like this. But they found a way to lose this game. This was a game they should have won. They went up 14-3, that was that's the momentum they needed they got it and they blew it they blew the game that they should have won they i thought that jason garrett got way too conservative i will stand by that and like you said they it's just the same as the rams game man they converted too many of these drives into field goals they get bogged down and when you again if you're playing this style of of offense you're going to you're going to it's going to it's going to be tough to win games when you're settling for field goals
2: and you make a lot of bad mistakes in very unopportune times yep and that's what happened like the the Cameron Fleming one as pissed off as as we are about the you have to get set you have to get set that's on Cam Fleming or whoever snapped uh, it. two touchdowns
1: taken off the board in this game that's incredible stuff dude think about it incredible stuff Daniel
2: Jones hasn't thrown a touchdown pass since week one it's so bad right I don't think he's thrown a touchdown pass since week one and that
1: you know there's a lot of people who who knows who deserves the blame for that or how much blame should be divvied out to the various people who do deserve that which is the likelihood of what the situation is but there's a problem there and there's a serious problem there when your quarterback hasn't thrown a touchdown pass since week one your freaking passing game's dead i don't know what to say at this point like they need to find a way to generate plays in the passing game i don't care if you have damien radley out there enough of the excuses like this to me to me it's a Garrett problem in my mind, I still believe that, I believe his philosophy is way too conservative, he's playing too much get to get to the sticks ball, you gotta take chances, you have to go for chunk yardage plays, that's what the NFL's all about, there has to be, you know, a, it, and I, you know, if we had time, Nick, I wish we could really evaluate all of the routes that Garrett, the route combinations that the Giants have run through five weeks, and compare it, I wish there was a database that did this because no one can do this like by hand or you know take an incredible amount of time but I'd love to see the Giants route combinations versus the rest of the NFL and for some of the you know better passing offenses who have thrown for a lot of passing TDs so I think part of the problem is the Giants run a lot of routes that go to the sticks it's not just that the the first read is there it's that a lot of the routes are designed to create that mesh uh, open point at the mesh point or just you know a lot of the curls they throw a lot of cur- they have a lot of there was a play today where jones had had no time and i think he either eventually took a sack or threw it away towards the end of the game where people were like what is jones doing what is jones doing and when you look at the coverage and we would look at the receivers part of the film no one's open and everyone's running a curl like it's just like they need to have some more down more routes that are creating potential voids at the second and third levels of this defense intermediate and deep areas of the field because jones can throw these balls man the throw he put on slayton was an awesomely placed ball you know he's had a lot of really good plays even last year you date back to his rookie year he's had some really good touch throws down the field but He's just not getting these opportunities for whatever reason. Part of it is the line, like you said. There's so many factors, but, man, it's it's tough.
2: The one where he was rolling out, too, when he— that was, like, yeah. incredible patience, didn't overreact, waited for Slayton to come off of his route and separate from the coverage and then just threw an absolute dime with very good velocity right into Slayton to pick up that first down on a third down. And that's the kind of stuff, man, that we love about Daniel Jones. But, again, like, I'm also— there's that kind of voice in the back of my head saying— there's probably a good reason why Carrot isn't going downfield, and that could be because of personnel too.
1: It's possible, but I think at some point you can't use that as a crutch. Mm. You have to let these guys fly. They're all NFL receivers. Even Damian Ratley, he still belongs in the NFL for reasons that you know. He has the speed. He has whatever it takes. He made plays at A and M in that offense down the field, different levels of the field. I mean. Part to me, you can use the crutch of the players that he has to throw the ball to or the offensive line, but I think that there's ways to, d- to design chunk yardage plays in this league. I see it from way too many coordinators to believe that Garrett can't do it himself. And I see it from offenses sometimes that don't have quarterbacks who I think are as talented as Daniel Jones, I'll be honest with you. And yet they're still generating chunk yardage plays somehow. Um, and I, I wonder how.
2: No, that's very fair. I'm also just speaking on uh, not just the talent of the receivers but that offensive line yeah, as well right. i think i just think this this roster is not good especially it's terrible especially this offense which is kind of crazy to me too man because going into the season we had a lot of concerns about the defense and the secondary and they've been playing relatively well especially the last few games you the a 49 ers second half that was atrocious but this season uh they've been pretty good yeah they've they've exceeded my expectations me too but we all thought with mark colombo coming in this offense will kind of stabilize a little bit maybe they could generate a run game and it it just has not happened consistently yeah it literally the offensive (sighs) line looks the same it's like hal hunter kind of stuff
1: it does but like my problem i keep coming back to this nick i don't think the offensive line play through five weeks or the talent that Jones has Because remember, Barkley was injured for a big chunk of last year and wasn't himself at times. Shepard missed a bunch of games. Ingram missed a bunch of games. Uh, Slayton missed a little bit of time. And Tate missed some games. I don't think the talent or the offensive line play is that much worse. And yet, the offense doesn't move the ball anywhere near like they did last year. To me, it really does come down to Garrett. I am I, There's no one I'm out more on besides, obviously, Dave Gettleman. Because only at this point, and anyone who goes in the comments or leaves us a negative review because they're going to say I'm too negative about Dave Gettleman. You're out of your mind at this point, and I'm willing to say that because if you look at this roster, it is not worthy of a regime year three. This should be year one of a regime change, not year three. The fact that it is year three shows how bad of a job he did. And the fact that we have these question marks like whose fault is it to blame for this offense that they've poured three straight top six picks into says all that you need to know. But the point is, Besides Gettleman, man, it's Garrett for me, Nick, because I think that this offense, Jones worked with, with Pat Shermer. He really did. It worked, man. Jones got it. He understood the system. He, had, he, had those, he knew when to go downfield, and he took shots downfield, and he hit Caden Smith down the seam. I mean, he really moved the ball well in the passing game, and that just doesn't happen with Garrett for whatever reason. I'm
2: trying to think of that third game that, okay, yeah, it was the Washington football team game. Last year, though, without Saquon Barkley, the defenses were tough, but Daniel Jones struggled to move the football. There was the Washington football yep. game, uh, football team, we'll call them that, where Wayne Gallman had a pretty good game. They were able to move the football, and then they went to Foxborough, and they couldn't really do anything. They had the one slot vert to Golden Tate for the touchdown, and then there was Minnesota, which was before that. Another in, team that, that was game.
1: playing lights out D last yes, year.
2: Yes, so it's kind of hard to, to gauge, but I think losing Saquon Barkley, yes, yeah, Saquon Barkley hasn't done a lot. On the field, but I think his presence just forces defensive coordinators to pay so much attention to Saquon Barkley, which makes life a lot easier for these receivers who struggle to create separation, and it makes life a lot easier for Daniel Jones.
1: Yeah, there's no denying that. I totally get it. But these were games where you know Jones had big games. Not I shouldn't say big games without Barkley. You're right. He really did struggle in that stretch. Again, defenses may have played a role. They did, but this is this game specifically is not just a, it, against this defense this cowboys right. defense that every single offense that they've run into so far has give them fits we're talking 500 yards of offense for the browns we're talking oh, same amount for literally uh, the falcons are pouring on yards and points and the giants really just don't really move the ball that well this game they scored one of their touchdowns off of andy dalton fumbled snap um they had a pick six that's 14 points and then they got 20 points with a bunch of field goals and most of which three of which were 50 plus yards yeah i mean this this offense didn't really move the ball that well and it hasn't moved the ball that well all year in the passing game
2: yeah, i'm not trying to stick up for no jason garrett whatsoever That's not i'm just what I'm so down
1: on him man I, I i never thought it would be this bad i didn't i think i didn't look into him enough i really think i just thought he'd be good overall for jones's development because he's a good court he's worked with good quarterbacks and he's a smart guy and he's been through you know he was a head coach but i just i hate his offensive philosophy and i hate his system and i don't think his system meshes well with jones i really don't
2: yeah i mean this quick game is we expect a little bit more vertical i mean yeah. coming from a Coriel, and i know he's kind of made a lot of changes throughout the year but he's uh definitely hasn't really tried that as often he runs a lot on first and 10 yep a lot. That's and what? he doesn't really he implemented I think one play action to open a drive on mm-hmm. first and 10 and he took a deep shot. I don't know if I think it was incomplete.
1: Well, the sack fumble was off of first and 10 PA.
2: Yeah, there was that one too. I think that, Could scared, be another him. Reason. that scared
1: him off from yeah. from using more, but I mean you can't let that scare you. That was an Andrew Thomas problem. Thomas got totally destroyed there and the play was dead because of it, but you have to be able to trust your left tackle and play action and and you know, Thomas doesn't always you know, there it's not he's not going to have a rep like that every time. You hope
2: you would hope you yes. you pray
1: because otherwise this team is so screwed.
2: Beat right around the edge too. Yeah, it's you gotta get out there, man.
1: Yeah, yeah, you do. It was tough to see uh, these these Thomas reps. I'm not any people have this net this wrong opinion of my thoughts on Thomas because I air them on Twitter enough to the point where people have this opinion. I'm not gloating. I do not want Thomas to be bad. I'm praying that he turns this around, but I'm gonna call it like it is. If he's struggling, I'm gonna talk about his struggles, and I'm gonna talk about the fact that the Giants had their choice of four offensive tackles, and they chose this one, and the Giants had their chance to try to be more aggressive with the trade, even if they didn't like the value of said trade, and they didn't. So when you do all those things, and you say, we're gonna get the best tackle, we have our guy, we've studied it, and this is our guy at four, he has to at least be on par for me with these other four tackles. He can't be considerably worse like he has been. I mean, Brandon Thorne today tweeted out, I'm hoping this is just hyperbole in in the heat of the moment. He says in his mind, Andrew Thomas has been one of the five worst tackles in the NFL this season. And I don't think
2: it's hyperbole. I mean, just from what I've seen. It's hard to Giants, argue that it's hyperbole. I, I know Brandon pretty well. Brandon takes his offensive line evaluations really seriously, and he wouldn't just put that out no, there. No, he doesn't. Against. has nothing
1: against the Giants. This guy's not a no. Cowboys fan. He has no team affiliations. He's just grading offensive line play, and he's graded a lot of it. It's literally his job. They pay him at um, Establish the Run. They pay him to do offensive line analysis weekly. And in his mind, from what he's seen on the tape, Thomas is, and we're, we see him blow so many—there's so many bad reps from Thomas right now. It's not—it doesn't seem like hyperbole, and that has to turn around. Hopefully it will, but that's, that's a part of the problem right now with this offense.
2: No, yeah, absolutely, and we've already kind of beat the dead horse on yeah. good old Andrew <laughs> Thomas there. He's got to pick it up. Anybody impress you in this game?
1: yeah i mean i i think there were times where jones impressed me i yes. really do i think oh, yeah. he made some really good plays. people talk about like oh jones is always panicking and pocket. i don't know man i see jones turned a lot of dead sacks for most quarterbacks into scrambles where he rolls right and then makes a really good touch pass on the sideline or throws with great ball placement on the sideline he hit the throw to slayton where slayton tapped his toes in that was awesome um so jones at times impressed me um on the defensive side of the ball Here's a guy who you mention every time during these games and during the All-22, and it's because he's such a good football player. And I don't care, and and I think Art actually said this, and it stuck in my mind. I don't care how old he is. I'll take this guy re-signed to to, to a contract next year. I don't care what the money is. I don't really truly believe in the cap being that much of a factor on any kind of roster building. Logan Ryan. Logan Ryan makes plays. He's always in the right spot. He's an excellent. He's a big reason why this defense doesn't have as many lapses as you might think for a defense that's this young and trying out this many players. He's always making plays. In the he's always in the right spot to make plays. I should say, and I think he had a great game again. I mean, nothing too crazy, obviously, but I think he had a solid game. Um,
2: Absolutely. I mean, I feel like we're just gonna keep saying the same people like, yeah. every week because. I mean, Blake Martinez had the one play where I think you have to make the tackle. I think it was on uh it was like a double. It was tough, though, yeah. Cooper. He was, was a tight he took a bad angle and yeah. then he just got outrun, which is unfortunate. But James Bradbury, you, you never really heard his name that much.
1: There's a reason for that. There's a reason for that. Amari and he, Cooper did pretty much nothing this game.
2: Yes. There's a reason
1: for that. Exactly. And even James like, Bradbury is one of the somehow, some way he's playing better with the Giants than he did in Carolina. Oh,
2: absolutely. He
1: yeah. entered this week as pro football Focus's third best rated quarterback and He's literally take – don't take their grades with gospel. We all know that. Yes. But it would be hard to make an argument that he's not one of the five best corners in football this season, which is awesome.
2: I, honestly, I always look around at the corners. And outside Stefan Gilmore, like who were the lockdown corners? I feel like like five right. years ago we had Tredavious like, White. Yeah, Tredavious White would definitely be one. But I, think, sure. I feel like five years ago when like Pat Pete yeah, was yeah. at his height. Yeah, he's not at like, that level anymore. Yeah, like all those – there was a couple guys that always came to mind. Right now it's it's not as – uh, that that's not as um, clear to me. I yeah. guess you could say Dalvin Tomlinson, I definitely saw uh, be Dalvin Tomlinson. Yep. And Ryan Lewis, you didn't really see him get picked on. I know he had nope. the one play at the end of the game. That's he, not his know, fault. Yeah, he's going to his Michael fault. Gallup. Amazing you know? catch.
1: Great catch. I'm not blaming him at all for that. I liked him. So I, 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 like 51. I whenever I was 51, I know he's not a good one-on-one pass rusher, for Kyler Fackrell. But yeah. he sets the edge well. He never gets beat by those stupid reverses that teams that you know kill him. He does a good job out there. And obviously had the pick six, which was a nice heads-up alert play um, on a really bad throw by Dak Prescott that the Giants exposed. But yeah, I mean, there's guys on this defense who are making plays. It's unfortunate that we don't have more bright spots to talk about that offense. I think. Yeah. But. Maybe they'll get there. I mean, maybe Garrett will figure this thing out. For me, the book is written for me on Garrett. I'm, I'm not coming back to that one. But I think the real question now becomes, the big question that we'll be talking about a lot more on this podcast moving forward is what do they do about the Gettleman situation? Do they let him lame duck until the end of the year and then he retires? Or do they try to get an early jump on their GM search like the Falcons will have, like the, um, the other team who fired their GM recently? I forgot who it was. Who, who just went over a GM change?
2: Well, I mean, the Texans got rid of Bill. The Texans, O'Brien. correct? Yeah.
1: Like the Texans and Falcons, who are looking for GMs in season, do they want to try to comp- not fall behind those teams by keeping Gettleman on as a lame duck until the end of the year? Because God, for there's no way in my mind at this point, even even a franchise like the Giants, who are very you know you know believe in giving these guys a longer leash than most, are going to let Gettleman give again get another year. Enough is enough at this point.
2: No, yeah, I, I believe it's... Uh... And it's crazy
1: because he has a good free agent. It's like, if uh, Bradbury Martinez, it's pretty good. Like, he did well in free agency. In his, if his last mark on this franchise is that free agent class, well, it won't be, unfortunately. I mean, it will be the Andrew Thomas pick, but at least he'll have given them that. Yeah. Um. Yeah.
2: But, uh, I mean, I think it comes down to... A, what the Giants want to do with this general manager's plan. I know we brought that up last yeah. podcast, but if they're like looking at outside people and they're looking at you know director of pro personnel or college personnel in other departments for other teams and they see what the Falcons and the Texans are going to be doing, they might have to kind of accelerate yeah. the, uh, the death of Dave Gettleman's job with the New York Giants as a general manager.
1: And I don't think you really I mean, I don't think I really want Dave Gettleman at a trade deadline. He's not a good trade. Like there's nothing to suggest he does a good job in the trades. I mean,
2: I don't, I don't there's nothing to point to. There's I nothing like, like that. yeah,
1: I mean, you can go both. It's not and like Riley Dixon. Yeah. I mean, that was a good trade. Yeah, it was a good it was a good trade. <laughs> um but yeah, so I mean, it, there's a lot. There's a lot to unravel there. We'll see what they end up doing there. You, Mara hasn't said it. You know, the Giants' ownership usually speaks out after these like slow starts. I guess they're getting used to him at this point now. It's mm. been three years in a row. But usually they speak out. He hasn't said a word yet about Gettleman or really anything with the team.
2: Well, I want to ask you one thing. Yeah. Because I want to get your opinion on this, Joe Judge. How you feel?
1: It's an interesting question my friend actually texted me about this after the game uh just kind of about the whole state of the team it's it's tough right now for Giants fans so I totally feel you guys with Judge I'm not I'm 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 just waiting for more information there are things I like there's things I don't like I like that the team plays hard I like that he had that special teams play dialed up if Cam Fleming just gets goddamn set for that play that's a touchdown that's a game changing play um and he had that up his sleeve he's been waiting for that I don't like some of the the decision making. I I wouldn't have punt. I wouldn't have kicked that field goal on fourth and five. The play before Andy Dalton muffed the snap. I'm just never doing that. I'm always going for seven over three. And some of the punts he's made in the first four weeks before this, I haven't agreed with. But that's going to be what he is. He's not going to be an aggressive style coach, um, and I don't like that. But it has its merits in other ways. And if you have a good enough defense, you can make up for it. So that's I know what he wants to get out of this team. A tough team that's going to play good defense. And I do like in addition to that, I like some of the things Tony Romo was saying on the broadcast today. I don't know if you caught them, but he was mentioning how he studied this Giants defense and some of the techniques in the with their cornerbacks that the coverage techniques they're playing are stuff that he took over from from Belichick in New England and they do an excellent job of teaching coverage there in New England. It's part of the reason why they keep trotting out guys who were not big names aside from Stefan Gilmore. To build really one of the better pass defense in the NFL without much, without really any pass rush. I mean, New England lets all their pass rushers go. You know, they let the guy go to Detroit, whatever his name was. I'm forgetting his name now. The Trey Flowers, Trey Flowers yeah. um, and they let Chandler Jones go, and they still maintain a good pass team. So I like some of the things he's brought over for sure. Um, but um, I remain. I, I need more information. Where are you at now with Judge?
2: I'm fine with him. Yeah, I'm not out on Coach Judge. Oh no, I'm definitely not well, out. Uh, yeah, and yeah, no, I'm not. I, that wasn't really necessarily the question I was asking yeah. you either. Just wanted to kind of gauge how you were feeling about him but no i'm still fine with him obviously owen five is not desirable he's still saying all the right things he's not slipping up and saying stupid crap to the media right it seems like this team is still playing their hearts out as you alluded to so i mean i'm still uh i'm still a fan of joe judge but you know you need to start winning dude yeah. <laughs> you need it's, you... The, it's tough though man because it's <laughs> like he
1: needs to start winning but i don't know how many of these losses i would attribute to him for me the losses are 90% on Gettleman because the roster is what ends up – the coaches can only coach so much. In the end, these players have to play, and there's just su- such a lack of talent at so many spots. Or It can go less than 90. Whatever the rest of it, though, I'm putting most of it on Garrett. I really don't like the game. I don't like Garrett's philosophy. We've gone over this But enough.
2: Garrett is a coach on his staff. So yeah, that, that he that hired. Would fall on, that yep. would fall on him then too. Okay, if we're, yeah. if we're
1: saying that falls on him specifically, then, then sure. To some extent, I yeah, would say. I think it's fair because he hired him. And I think there are things that Garrett can do to help Jones progress from a mecha- from other in other ways as a quarterback. But I just don't think that it's. I think it's pretty clear Jones doesn't see the system the way he saw Shermer's system. He came right in Shermer's system and played awesome. He did, yeah. He definitely need definitely any time. different
2: situations too, obviously with uh, COVID. But I also yeah. think Shermer, as we've said plenty of times, is a sim- more simplified system for yep. a quarterback than what Garrett has, and a more. I guess you could say creative from a passing concept. I
1: think it's more creative, man. Yeah. I really do. There's a lot of there was a lot of creative downfield stuff in Jermers' system that I'm just not seeing. It. And there wasn't all this like to the sticks crap that Garrett has. It's just so much of that to the stick stuff.
2: Yeah, I'm interested to see the uh, all 22 though at mm-hmm. the same time because yeah, you, we saw a lot of primary reads to the sticks, and Jones kind of tends to hyper lock on reads sometimes the primary reads. So maybe <laughs> yeah, there, maybe there,
1: I like that term.
2: Maybe there is a a little bit more downfield. Uh, routes, but obviously there's not downfield routes that are the primary read where you're trying to do other things. I mean, we saw on week one when they knew they were in man coverage, we saw the Yankee concept, that's a huge downfield, a huge downfield concept. Yep. But again, I think they just see a lot of zone and a lot of yeah. three deep and they can't really take advantage of it. But again, we'll, we'll reserve our judgment until we get our hands on And that's my that question
1: shape. for you. We'll end it on this one because it's gone longer than we thought for this reaction. There's so much to talk about. It's sometimes hard to stay on one topic. If what's gonna happen what I think is gonna happen is gonna continue to happen which is they're gonna teams are just gonna until the Giants prove they can't do they can't they can beat it they're gonna do a lot of these three high safety looks and these zone looks at what point do you blame the quarterback for not being able to solve this problem at what point is it like if there's no answers and the Giants continue to struggle and they're just gonna continue to get zone cup like So here's my example. Schematically speaking, I'll try to make this question a little clearer. That wasn't a very good way to ask it. Schematically speaking, if teams are just constantly throwing three high safety looks and zone looks at you, what is the best way to schematically beat that, have the Giants tried that, and can Daniel Jones do it?
2: I think you could definitely be it. You could definitely flood the zone. You could put defenders into conflict where you run, say, like on a a cover three, you could run like a, a deep dig and then a seam vert and have that middle of the field safety be put into a position where he has to drive down on that dig or drop to the vert. And, you know, safeties usually are going to drop to the vert because they're not going to allow that dig to beat them over the middle. But then the linebackers got to sink to a certain depth. So you can, is the pressure
1: basically then go on the quarterback then to make tight window plays? Yeah. I mean, there's
2: definitely that, but I, I also think that, it's it's not just a singular person to blame or anything like that. I think it's a team. It's collective. It's collective blame that you would have to assign. because Receivers
1: aren't getting into the zones. You need
2: receivers to run the Quarterbacks correct Quarterbacks
1: the t- aren't taking the chances. Yeah. There needs to be timing. Rout concepts aren't the Locking right. Yeah. isn't
2: exactly going on. I'm not right. 100% sure if Garrett's calling a lot of those specific type of players. Sure. It right. definitely we seems like know. a lot more quick game from what we've seen mm-hmm. so far through five games. So I think it's collective blame, I guess you could say. It could definitely be assigned. To the entire offense. Is
1: there a merit to calling quick game against zone?
2: Sometimes, yeah. If they could sit down in zone, especially if they're playing off. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I mean, the the quick game I'm sure is like judged by pre snap leverage and right. stuff like that. Yeah, so, of course. Okay. course. They're no, playing no. outside leverage. Okay, so we'll just turn back inside, kind of flow to the middle and away from the defender. Yeah. Like uh, Tony Romo was talking about it with the play that was almost intercepted, where Evan Ingram ran his route and then Evan Ingram like just like stopped and didn't kind of come back and like allowed the guy to almost undercut it and intercept the ball it's just kind of a bad route something that we've kind of seen from Evan Ingram a little bit which is unfortunate but yeah no you could definitely use quick game against zone
1: yeah I mean they're just gonna have to find a way to beat zone this has been an issue now for the Giants for years even before Daniel Jones towards the end of Eli's career I think
2: the thing is when you play like zone you could play off zone and then you can kind of give up those quick game routes sometimes So you're giving up these chunk plays and then you have these guys in zone watching the quarterback and then when you dump the ball down then you can just drive down on the receivers who are catching the ball and then if those receivers can't make people miss in space or can't break a lot of tackles so what like a two three yard gain which we see sometimes as well because when you're playing zone coverage you're watching everything yeah you're seeing the route combinations and you're also Eyes watching on the, the quarterback. quarterback yeah the quarterback is going to the left i'm going to start flowing my zone to the left to try to eliminate that yep. and i'm also feeling out the what the eligible receivers that are in the area too
1: yeah i think i mean just in general one way to beat it is more pa- is better pass protection. simply put
2: <laughs> yeah definitely it's a
1: great way to beat zone better pass protection beautiful way to beat zone And the Giants, unfortunately, at this stage are not getting good enough pass protection, which is amazing with the resources they put into this line. But it's where they're at. So hopefully things improve. Anything else you want to wrap up before we dive into the All-22? Obviously, that's going to tell us a different
2: story. Hey, Giants fans, there'll be brighter days sometime. All right. It's been a while, but there'll be brighter days sometime. That's all I got.
1: There will be. And I'll end it on this note. Thank you to everyone who listens to this podcast, the quick reaction to games like this one, the All-22 for games like this one. For all you who stick through, let us know what you want to hear as we move forward through the season. We're going to get to a point pretty soon, it seems like, I hope I'm wrong, but it seems we're going to get to a point where we're going to have to turn the page on 2020 and look toward 2021 and things that you guys want to know about for this roster and for this franchise moving forward. So let us know. Find a way to do it. You can hit us up on Twitter at all times. You know we both like to respond there and be active as well there. Do us a favor. Rate and review us on iTunes if you haven't already. I know I ask that every time. Follow us on Instagram and be on the lookout because we might have something new planned for you this week that we're working on. We don't want to spoil it yet, but again, stay tuned, to Big Blue Bander Podcast. Better days are ahead. We do say that a lot, but I promise they are. It can't get worse. It can't get much worse than this. It really and truly can't. And on that note, have a great rest of your week, and we'll speak to you soon.